Welcome to Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. This broadcast will challenge and encourage God's people to seek revival. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to Striving for Revival. Welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is Pastor Justin Cooper coming to you today from the KNVBC studio at the North Valley Baptist Church here in Santa Clara, California. My, what a privilege it is to have you join us for the broadcast today. And what an honor is mine to take the King James Bible and to share with you some eternal truth from the very Word of God. I hope you're having a great day today. I know outside here in Santa Clara, the sun is shining. The temperature is, let me see, how could I describe this? perfect. There is no humidity. There's a slight breeze. Birds are singing. Flowers are sprouting. And hello all to you in Antarctica. I hope you're having a great day today. And my God is good to us, isn't he? We have a Bible to read, prayer that gets us right to the throne of grace. Uh, God's our Father, joint heirs with Christ, a mansion on streets of gold. No matter where you find yourself today, you've got reason to celebrate and shout because you're a born-again Christian. God's been better than good to me. Yes, the Lord's much better than good. We're in James chapter 1, and we'll finish out our chapter today, James chapter number 1. Today we're going to read one verse, and that will be verse number 27. James has dealt with so much in this opening chapter. It's amazing how just in his introduction, he's already plowed some deep rows, and he's already done some deep work, and what a preacher, what a, what a penman, the Holy Spirit guiding him, of course. James is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And James was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, so he pastored a large church. He's writing now to Jewish believers who are dispersed. They're scattered abroad. In verse number two, he tells them to count it all joy when they fall into diverse temptations. And that gives us a little bit of a sneak peek into the content and the context generally of the chapter. He's going to deal with Christians and how they should deal with trials, and then also how they should deal with temptation. Now, the word trial, or rather the word temptation, is used in verse 2, designates a testing period or a trial period. God does test and try His children. He will put us through things not to hurt us, but to help us and to conform us and better us and make us more like the Lord Jesus Christ. You can see that in Job, Paul had a thorn in his flesh. All of these Bible characters had some sort of a season if not a lifespan of ministry, where they had to weather a, t- a time of trial, <clears throat> a time of testing, or what we can call a diverse temptation. Now, we can rejoice in that because we know God has a purpose. We know all things work together for good for them who love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Now, we might not rejoice in the heartache, but we can rejoice in the fact that God is helping us through. We don't rejoice in the trial, but we can rejoice in the training and the teaching that God is giving us through it. And we know this, that that faith tried produces patience, and patience will help us to be perfect and entire or complete, wanting nothing. So he grows us, spiritually matures us through these seasons of trial and these times of testing. There's another kind of temptation that James touches on later in the chapter, and that kind of temptation is the solicitation to evil. Now, let no man say when he's tempted that he's tempted of God. What he's saying is God does not ever lead man into sin. 
God might lead man into trial, but he'll not lead man into sin. God says, be ye holy, for I am holy. And since God is holy, he will not lead you to be unholy. A lot of folks will sin, mess up, and say, well, God led me there. God made me do that. No, he didn't. And you say, well, the devil did. No, it wasn't the devil. It was usually, it's usually the flesh, the lust of the flesh. And lust brings forth sin, and then sin brings forth death. And we talked about how you can find that uh, displayed, shown, in the book of Genesis, as Eve is tempted, the lust of the flesh, the desire of the flesh, the eye there, it leads her to sin, and sin bringeth forth death. You read on down through the chapter, and the Bible talks about the disposition of a believer and how we ought to be slow to speak and swift to hear and slow to wrath. We ought not be filled with all the superfluity of naughtiness with this overwhelming need to be malicious to other people. How do we fix that? By receiving the uh, Word of God, the engrafted Word. We hide the Word of God in our heart that we might not sin against the Lord. Then we come down to verse 22 through verse 25, and he says, well, here's what I want from you. I want you not just to be a hearer of the Word, but be a doer. Don't just be someone who sits in church and goes home and never changes. Don't just be someone who hears the preaching and never applies it. Don't just be someone who sits through the class lecture in Sunday school and never puts it into practice. Then you're like a man who sees himself in a mirror and he sees all kinds of blemishes and imperfections yet does nothing to change the situation. That's who you are, that just hear the Word of God and don't apply the Word of God. In verse 25, he tells us how to be blessed. How do you be blessed? By living out the Bible. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the... And the Bible talks about that in the book of Psalms. But here it is again, applying the New Testament. If you want to have a, a, a blessed life, delight yourself in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Be a doer of the word, the perfect law of liberty, and not a hearer only. Last broadcast, we mentioned verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue... But deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. We talked about how somebody can parade around like a pharisaical peacock and claim to be super spiritual and chief Christian. But if they cannot control their mouth in the context of their temper, especially, or gossip, they run their mouth, they shoot off at the mouth, their tongue flaps in the wind like a windsock at the airport. If that's what they are, their religion is vain. It's empty, it's hollow, it's a form of godliness maybe, but it sure does deny the power thereof. And we talked about how we should control our tongue, even though that's not popular in our society, and even though it's applauded to just speak your truth, your opinion, whatever you want to call it, uh, out in the open, tweet it as soon as you can, be the first to say it so that you can get the notoriety for it. The Bible says, study to be quiet, be slow to speak, be swift to hear. Verse 27, we'll wrap up our chapter. Verse 27, James writes, pure religion. By the way, these folks who want to sound so spiritual, I don't have religion, I got a relationship. Well, it's a Bible word there, big guy. And so it's okay to have religion, pure religion. Pure old-time religion, pure religion, and undefiled before God and the Father is this. So if you want to have a pure religion, if you want to have religion that is not an abomination to God, I mean that is pleasing to God, relationship, yes, that's salvation. Religion is that practicing of my relationship, that living out of that inward relationship, my religion. That is the uh, the uh, routine, the rigor, the ritual, the uh, tradition, the the uh, the outward indication that there's an inward relationship, my religion. If I want that to be pleasing in the eyes of God. Here is the the bedrock. Here, here, here it is. Just whittle it down. Here's what you do. Visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. All right, so we can say pure religion is this. It is sympathy. 
It is compassion. It is care. And it is love. I'll never understand these people who claim to be Christians, and they're always curmudgeons. They're Christians, but they're like rude. Like they eat peas with their toes. They were raised as a sideshow at the circus. I mean, out in the middle of nowhere with no manners, no courtesy, no yes, ma'am, yes, sir, no, ma'am, no, sir. I mean, I'll never understand a Christian who's that way. I mean, just rough. I mean, just like trying to hug a piece of sandpaper. You don't want to be around them. You don't want them around you. It looks like they were baptized in lemonade, drank a, a pickle juice on the way to the surface. They, they've been uh, embalmed, it seems like, more so, or, or preserved or whatever, uh, in, instead of uh, born again. I mean, just horrible being around them. And that's not true religion. That is not pure religion. Uh, to, to be brash and to have no character and to walk around and not hold doors for people, just have common, decent courtesy. That, that's not Christian character. I, I, I'm talking about getting a fight with somebody at their door when you're soul winning, just so you can show off your zeal. That doesn't impress me, and I know it doesn't impress God. If somebody's there, and listen, you, you got them out of bed, they were sleeping in, and they are got Cheerios stuck on their chin watching Saturday morning cartoons, you knock on their door and say, are you going to go to heaven or hell? And if they don't want to talk to you, can I say, you don't push their door down, you don't berate them. You had to praise the Lord they came to the door anyhow. You probably wouldn't have. Give them the gospel track and say, well, I don't want to take your time, but would you just see this, read this here in a little bit? We'd love to have you if you can come. That's, that, that's pure religion. Pure religion is not being a jerk. Pure religion is not being a brute. Pure religion and undefiled before God is to have compassion, to have love, to show mercy. In the context of our verse specifically, it said, visit those who are fatherless, orphans. Those who are widows, their husbands have died. Don't forget about those who are meek and lowly. Take care of those who are outcast and downcast and maybe forgotten by society. And then here's the next part, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So we find here, have a life of compassion, a life of charity, but also have a life of purity and a life of cleanliness in regards to the world. You don't yoke up with the world. You don't love on the world. You don't run with the world. You don't try to uh, court the uh, friendship of the world, but you try to separate. You try to stay as close to God as you can. Live in your Bible. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. That word religion is not a bad word. It's a Bible word. But religion can be a bad thing when it's not done in the pure fashion. And Bible Christianity ought to be a, a religion of love and compassion and grace and mercy. We take our stand and we contend for the faith, but we're not contentious, curmudgeons, running around, uh, just rubbing people the wrong way. No, we should be a good reflection of Jesus Christ and keep ourselves unspotted from this world. Until next time, pray for revival. Thank you for joining us today for Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. Listen at this time every weekday as we strive for revival.